Okay, before we get before we say everything we're gonna say, um, yeah, I, I wanted to keep that mostly to the to the privacy tinfoil hatty stuff because I've been there. I am there for for a lot I, of things, but I I don't know that I wasn't a lot of that should be in the show. I I read uh, through it and like I posted the wiki link there too, which goes more in depth. I feel like than cool most of the other stuff. Um, oh, good God! Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it really talks about the technology behind what they were going to do. Yeah, I was actually looking for this. Um, it it was I think it was Matt Miller mm-hmm. or maybe it was Michael uh, Cotanzaro that was mm-hmm. yeah it was, it was... that wrote the original post that just pissed everybody off right and then I think it was and then Matt. it got moved yeah and then it got moved to a couple of different places yeah I think it was Matt um, it got moved to a couple of different places I have I have links to one of them where just today seriously how funny just today. Mm-hmm. Those posts got closed by Matthew Miller mm-hmm. uh, because, I mean, there were there were five hundred something posts long. Yeah, we're done with constructive like, criticism at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Coming up in this episode, the prying eyes want to know the history. Of Silver Blue. What's immutable anyway? And how we layered a few packages. Welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. We've been we've been dealing with Fedora for a little while. We have. And we have. there was a there was a bit of a topic that came up before episode one of season four. It was about in July. Yep. Um, Fedora proposed an idea yeah. that would allow them to be able to laser focus on making Fedora better. And that would extend to like upstream and, and downstream and everybody would benefit. Mm-hmm. If only, if only you gave Fedora a little bit of information, you know, Telemetry. Yeah, use the T word there. I'll say this about what they were proposing. They they were at least conscious of the target audience here, and I feel like they tried to make it, you know, the best compromise, if you will, possible, so that they could get the information they they were looking for that would be useful for them and not be too invasive um or at least yeah you know pry out the um personally identifiable information you know just get right. some there, there was there was going to be none of that yeah 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 there wasn't there wasn't going to be uh any of that it was going to be a whole lot more like popcon right. in the debian world so. which yeah. also in fairness got flack mm-hmm. um because we i think in Especially FOSS, not just open source software, but specifically free and open source software. There is a deep rooted and extreme hatred for anything tracky, anything telemetry ye. um, Well, if you count it, uh, not. It is is one of the reasons you would look towards that software is so that you can inspect what is is. going on and have, uh, you know, an idea of, you know, what. What's going where? 
and keep mm-hmm. your privacy focused on yourself um, and not give any of that up. So I can uh, sympathize with with that, you know, methodology. That is well, me too, because that was actually one of the big reasons that attracted me over to the Linux side in the first place, too. Sure, I'm I'm very much a tinfoil hatter. I I dare you go back in the previous episodes; you'll hear it. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and we've talked about tools that help protect your stuff, uh, you know, so that you don't give those things up, you know, in the in the course of you know what you're doing. It is an important thing yeah. to me. It is it is extremely important to to have control over what is shared about me. So, yeah, I, I very much sympathize yeah. with that. I empathize with that. But hear me out as to what they were going to propose and, and, and some of the reasoning as to why they were looking for it. So they, okay, they, yeah, lay it on me. They were proposing that they were, you know, they were really looking for uh, metrics on what gets utilized, what people have installed, what types of systems they're installing these things on. And all of that really, the, the idea was to make the overall product better. Because if you don't know what someone is utilizing, what they're installing, you know, what type of system we're targeting, um, how do you really know how to, how to, you know, tailor the thing you're delivering. Right. The the rebuttal to that would be, well, someone that is invested in the software that they're using mm-hmm. would naturally create a GitHub account or a GNOME desktop uh, forum account or those types of accounts, log into the forums, uh, let their voice be heard and let the developers know exactly what it is that works, what doesn't work, and and what they would like to see uh, become better. That's that's great. I'm I'm you know very thankful for the people that do take the time to contribute that bit of information. Um, but in reality, I will say most people don't don't bother to do that. I mean, let's be real. Right. Yeah, they just don't. So this was going to be an opt out uh, type telemetry thing. So you that that so was strike one. It, well, stri- no, that's strike two. Strike. You'd have to go in. Go in there and tick the thing off in order to get it so that it, it you know, it didn't collect your, your bits. And to be clear on this one, though, it, it's it's during the onboarding in, in GNOME or whatever, right. whatever it is. And it would it would clearly say there yeah, is it, going to be data collection here and and the toggle would be on. Right. And you would have to identify, oh, tracking, no, right. off. Yeah, you'd have and to do something next. when you got to that prompt. Otherwise, it would be on and, uh, you know, right. then you'd get that. Um, and the idea there was that, you know, if if that's all taken care of for everyone, they will probably generally just go right past it and then we'll get some useful information um, from folks without, you know, them having to do much of anything. Um, and, right. and that, that's a valid reasoning, I feel like, because, um, the, the time that people invest in delivering different pieces of software and, you know, the system overall, um, is valuable and they need to know where to focus their energy. I feel like I, I and so yeah. the reasoning is sound. Um, but we all know it's it's a it's a step in it's a way in it's a foot in the door to to where does it where does it 
eventually stop, and that's the concern, and I I can understand the apprehension. Right, 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 right. It's a it's a tightrope to walk, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh because you're you're not really talking about personally identifiable information. No, no, no. They had actually specified that the they intended for no personally identifiable information. Exactly. And that's the right way to do right. it. That that is that is the right intention. Mm-hmm. You you hope nobody's collecting that on you. Yeah. Uh, again, I empathize with that. That that is something that I really do not like to share with absolutely no. anybody, says the guy on the internet putting well, the show out every couple of weeks, right? Right, right. Like, uh, There's some of that. So there is some of I, that. I get it. But I think there's a, there's a distinction to be made. There's a line to be drawn that the people that you are relying on mm-hmm. to hold up the software that you use, the demons that you have running things in the background, the, the people that are developing your desktop, the people that are developing Pipewire, the people that are developing, insert every other piece of software that you use on a day to day to day to day to day. It is an excruciatingly long list of software yeah. that we use every single day. And it's one thing to say, if I have a bad experience with GNOME, I'll, I'll get on the GNOME forums you might. and... Um, and, and, you know, air my grievances about that. But are you also going to get into the fprintd GitHub and air your grievance about that when that breaks? Are you also yeah. going to get into the systemd forum or IRC to air your grievance there when something like that breaks? Are you also, and it just keeps going. But you're mentioning bad experiences. What about your good experiences? We're, we're ah, never collecting now. any of that. And I would like to think that if you, you know, if, <laughs> if a lot of people have things installed and they're not complaining about it, that might be a very good experience for them. And that might be something that is highlights, you know, being successful. And so, yeah, um, it's great to keep the quality up on something that's successful. Um, and that that's a great thing to focus on. Make sure we don't have any reversion going on there. Right, exactly. So open source development, I think, at large, if it's really for other people, and, and not just to scratch your own itch, because there's plenty of that, yeah. and that's fine. But if it's for other people, it's guesswork. It, it really is. best. Yep. And at worst, it's solving problems only for the users that are deeply involved and very chatty. Right. And a lot of times, these are power users. These are people that are, uh, a lot of times, using the software in ways that the original developer never intended. Yeah. And so when the only complaints are, well, it doesn't support this, doesn't support this, doesn't support this, they're monopolizing, or they can, if the developer allows it, monopolize developer time to work on features that doesn't benefit Everybody. Yeah, it, which it, was, it may very well steer the course of a project to something that it hadn't originally saw. Exactly. And 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 the developer of this software never knew right. that the vast majority of people using the software were using it exactly as intended. Right. Or maybe they weren't. And development should have taken a left turn at Albuquerque instead of a right. And but that's the kind of thing that will never be known without some kind of telemetry. So I'm going to continue to try to make the case that 
It is our responsibility as users of free and open source software to, if we do not give back monetarily, we should be giving back some other way. Yeah. And feedback is a good way, um, you know, promoting different things, um, you know. And that's what we do on this show. That, we that, absolutely that's a big do. reason yeah. Yeah. Why, um, why we do this show is to make sure that people are aware of these things. That's a big part of the app focus and the community focus to, to not just, you know, elevate software, but to elevate people right. too. And and to move people in those directions as well as much as a small show like ours can do, yeah. we do that. Yeah. But other ways are the T word like this. Yeah. 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 That's the one to do it without um much effort, right? No nobody has to do anything if it's just on. It just shows up and yeah. hopefully is useful. But if the choice that we want to make as users is to be private and hold all of that information onto ourselves, I think you're right. It's our responsibility to make sure that our voice is heard on, you know, the good and the bad and how we are using things um, to the developers. I, I feel like that's our responsibility as, as you know, holding, holding on to it then we need to at least give the useful information back as we see fit. Yeah. And don't worry. We'll, we'll, uh, I want to talk a little bit about opt-in, opt-out, mm -hmm. and, and if there's a gray area there. Um, but I think, I think the, uh, it's on our shoulders to make sure that this information gets shared. But because developer time is limited, right? Yeah. Especially, a, especially in a lot of the smaller projects where there's only one yeah. developer, maybe two in the whole project that actually do the main, you know, code slinging. Right. And, you know, a lot of times you're getting paid $0 an hour. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when you look at it, when you actually zoom out, that time's not free. Their time no, is not they, free. Yeah, no. So, um, so that's really kind of where I'm coming from. I'm, I'm trying to, what is, what is my responsibility um, to people like that? When, like BTOP, right? Mm -hmm. Aristocratos. Yep. Um, you know, my responsibility because I love that software, um, is is to shout it from the rooftops and mm -hmm. I mean I don't know if he's got telemetry in there, but I would be totally fine if it was op opt out. Um that how often I used it, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it makes a huge difference when you give that information back because right. as as you were saying before, Dan, it lets them laser focus in on what is broken or what needs right. to be made better or whatever. And they're not having to just guess about it or only go off the words of 10 of the 10,000 yeah. users yeah, yeah, yeah. that use the software. And those 10 just happen to be the ones that are chatty on GitHub. But uh, everything's got telemetry, though. Yeah, Everything. a lot of things do, for sure. Yeah. And... You know, I, I know that Linux is probably, for a lot of people, the last bastion of telemetry-less computing right. that we'll ever have. Because I promise you, this is it. <laughs> it's absolutely it. Which is why I, I'm 100% an advocate of... Well, that's why we're There here. should be yeah. a way to opt out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there absolutely needs to be a way to say, you know what? Not on this machine. Not on this one or not on any of them. If that's really what you feel, 
you should have a way to say no. But from the mobile devices that you use to the apps that you run on them to every single website you visit, if you connect to the internet, you're already giving this stuff away. You're giving a lot of it away, for sure. And, 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 right. until and, you... and I don't like that. No, no. The thing is, if we're giving it away, I might as well give it away to the people that I know it's going to help. Yeah, it, it, and the people that probably aren't going to do anything harmful with it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I cringe every time I think about how much, uh, how much information Amazon Ooh. is hoovering up from me every time I go to the website. Well, you go to the website and it, it is delivering suggestions to you in an instant. Yeah. No. Yeah. And and God forbid I click on the wash rags. Well, now they're just going to be trying you, to sell me wash rags for the next six yeah, but weeks. But you got to get some dish soap to go with that, Leo. And then, you know, <laughs> oh, you know I mean, like, I mean, yeah. it, it, the list goes on, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I need to, I, I, I would like uh, the developers to know that I use Flatpak a lot. Right. And that some of the experiences in Flatpak are not optimal. That would be, that would be great. As, as long as they don't say, have you tried Snap? <laughs> you know, yeah, you know, don't use my telemetry to try to sell me snaps, that, but <laughs> I, I don't, I don't see why we're intentionally hamstringing the Linux and open source and free and open source yeah. developers on this. Yeah, if um, if if these are going to be the groups, these are going to be the only groups out there that are going to be good stewards of my information. I've got more faith in these FOSS developers yeah. than I do in Amazon. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the last, uh, you know, kind of close with a little discussion on opt-in, opt-out, and the middle ground. Yeah. Um, Fedora originally proposed opt-out, which right. meant that if you do nothing, if you blindly click next, 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 yep. which is, that argument is ironic coming from privacy hawks saying that. Yeah, you should be reading every little EULA and fine print thing and all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Even if it's FOSS, even if it's well, FOSS, yeah, that is a cardinal sin in a lot of the FOSS world. So the alternative is opt out. Right. Well, it's not black and white. That it doesn't have to be that way. There is a middle ground, and it's the way Apple does it. I don't I'm listening. Likes to hear that. I'm listening. Yeah. So anytime there is any kind of data collection that comes up on an Apple device. They do not do the old um oh what's what's the word like uh dark um it's where they kind of like mentally manipulate you into clicking one or the other. Yeah. Um it, it is not like that. It is I agree, I disagree, or opt in or opt out, or um, you know, collect information or don't collect information. Right? It is it is quite clear cut. It does not tell you which one to choose. It does not push you in one way or the other. It just makes you make yep. a choice. Pick one. Yeah. It's a nice, better yeah. middle ground. It, it, yeah. That you can that you can kind of go down. And I think a lot of the forums, a lot of the discussions always kind of gravitated toward that. And I think that's a really good thing. And it's what's what was really funny is that when it came up that that, you know, Apple is a big proponent of doing it this way. All of a sudden People that were lukewarm on it got real cold on it mm. because, well, Apple does it. Mm. So therefore, it must be bad. So, mm, uh, eh, but I, I, think it's, I think it's the only way that you can do it and still be palatable 
to yeah, the so people that are absolutely not. That's not really opt in or opt out. That's just right. There's opt. Y- right. You have to choose. You got to pick one. Choose one yeah. or the other. So that's a choose your own adventure sort of thing. And um, yeah, that's that's a pretty good middle ground. Honestly, you're you're not wrong. Um, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, as much as I don't really want to side with Apple. I don't know that they're you're the they're not see, big you're the one on evil the corp. They're not big evil corp. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so you, yeah. you think about the other ones and their motivation behind what they're trying to do. I would say Apple is probably the closest to the Foss uh, group in that they're just trying to probably make their product better um, when, yep. when they present these things um, because then they can sell more product. Uh, yeah. So there's a motivation behind it, but it's not the same motivation as like a Google, which is an advertising company. And so they they want all your information so they can sell your information. They don't want to sell you necessarily more product. They'll give you product only if they can get your information. That's the that's mm. the difference in mentality, I feel like, that is that, behind it all. That Play Store is a little sneaky, isn't it? I, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so get you every time. Uh, so I don't know. I I at risk of alienating everybody in the Foss world. Um, yeah. I don't disagree with the opt out. I, I think Fedora would have been okay doing it. They they would have made a lot of people mad. Well, they so it was opt out, but they did make sure to present you with the option. I guess. Right. Like, yeah, it's it's not like it was some hidden setting. Yeah and, it, yeah. and it wasn't like something you had to go look for in the settings somewhere and turn it off then. It was at least presented to you. Um, and you had a default setting that was picked for you. But yeah. It, it, and, and I think that's why I'm okay with it. The right. way that they were going to do it was fine with me because if you saw the very top of the thing in big bold letters, it says privacy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Park gotcha. it up. What? Yep. <laughs> and if I just absolutely did not want to share that information, it is not difficult to toggle a toggle. Not but know. I, I think yeah. a lot of the people that were bringing that up, uh, you know, as facetious as I was about it before, um, the people that were bringing it up are talking about the people that do not read anything and just next, yeah. next, 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 next. Yeah, or you, you hit right. the X button up in the upper right-hand corner and close it out, and then you never yeah. read any of it And then at it's all. on. Yeah, it's on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I mean... You know, it didn't it didn't protect you when you installed Windows the first time, and it's not going to protect you anywhere else either. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> re- read, read, read the things. Yeah. Because it's not like this page was just so dense, full of information. It was like it was pretty simple. Yeah. We're going to do some basic telemetry on here. You're going to share some information about your computer and the way that you use it. Do you want that or not? And if you didn't, you could flip it off. So I was I was okay with that. That that is that is perfectly fine. It was a decent approach. With me, I would have left it on every single time. Uh, even even having the stances I have, as as staunch as I am about not sharing my information with Apple or not sharing my information with yeah. Ubuntu.com every single time I go to the website and it Ooh. asks me, oh my God. Um, you know, I, I, I don't yeah. share information like that. But in this case, I would. And I would, I would be happy to leave the toggle on. And if you looked at the wiki page that they had, they actually, you know, were willing to you know, give you all the technical details on how the yeah. systems yeah. behind how they were going to collect those things. And you could go and set your own up to, to, to see the actual information that, that they the were thing. collecting. I mean, 
I don't know how you get much more transparent than that in the way that yeah. they're doing it. Like you could go test it yourself if you wanted. That's the operative word there. It's transparency. Yeah. It was as transparent as you could possibly be with information that may or may not, and it certainly wasn't, per personally right. identifiable information. Yeah. Right? It was transparent. You could see what you were sending. And if you objected to that in any way, it was easy to turn it off. Right. Hmm. But uh, I do see I do see the benefit in having a strict choice instead of opt in or opt out. Just pick one. Yeah. And let it decide. I would even be okay with a little bit of highlight the one you want Fedora, you know, to have you choose. That that would be okay with me. Oh, dark pattern. Dark pattern is the name of that. Um, but uh, you know, that gets a little prickly. A little bit. And yep, I can see that. You know, I th I think I think. Strike three was that it came right after the CentOS stuff. Yeah, that was some really bad timing. <laughs> the, 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 you know, Strike three, you're out. Yeah. Get out of here yeah. with telemetry. Nope, nope. We already got a bad taste in our mouth. You have the Red Hat logo on your website. Therefore, absolutely not. You've got those closed <laughs> repositories. You can get all the telemetry you want out of that. Yeah, exactly, man. So, yeah. Well, tell us what you think. I really want to know because... Um, People of this show, people listening to this show, do you do you care? Are you are you strictly opt in, or are you more in the middle? Mm -hmm. uh, a choice is best, or even opt out. I don't know. I feel like there's not going to be a whole lot of people listening to this show agreeing with me on that opinion. Yeah, probably but, not. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so. we, <laughs> you know what? We'll and I can see. understand. We'll see. Yeah. Hate mail contact at linuxuserspace.show. Yeah, send it in. But speaking of housekeeping, don't forget, you can watch our beautiful faces on YouTube and Tilvids. That's where all the history goes. If you want an archive of all the history, and just the history, yep. Tilvids, that is where that is. I try to be respectful because Tilvids and PeerTube is not YouTube, and they don't have right. infinite storage. So I want to put the things there that I think matter the most so that I don't fill up our queue and then have to go yeah, ask nice, for more. Yeah, nice condensed information that's, uh, you know, jam-packed um, to, you know, the important stuff that really, really, really matters. Yep. But you already know all that. You know the YouTube thing. You know the Tilvids thing. Uh, but if you like the show, I think this is uh, pretty important. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe, even at the dollar tier on Patreon, mm -hmm. patreon.com slash Linux user space. A um, dollar, $3, $5, $10, $10 you get to sit in here with us. Yeah, when we record. While we, yeah, while we record the show, which is really cool um, because there was 45 minutes of stuff before we even started recording. Yeah, it's, uh, it's before we, you know, yeah. It's yeah. kind of fun time. Before the public stuff. Sometimes we got a little bit that goes afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly, we got to decompress. After after you've been, you know, staying on the straight and narrow the whole time, you got to decompress a little bit at the end. So there really there really is um, an hour before and after the show that we that we end up just kind of having a good time. Well, let's and, just see how the sausage is made in between too. Yep. And if you're not fond of faces for whatever reason, uh, the five dollar tier will get you the audio version. High high quality. Some things are just facts of life, like 
deploying operating systems is hard. And deploying thousands of operating systems and having them all behave in the same at the end of the day despite changes, problems, and time is even harder. Those are true facts. You can look them up. As far back as 2003 for NixOS and the early 2010s for Endless OS and Chrome OS, these distros were all pretty good at solving the problem already. Nix with its language abstraction and package management, Endless with its unbreakability, and Chrome OS with its stubborn immutability. The problem that immutability in all of its forms tries to solve is really that traditionally the system, after it's installed, is kind of unpredictable. People do all kinds of things in all sorts of orders after they start using it. A package swap here, a configuration file change there. And that means even if there are guardrails, software and configurations on two systems that are meant to be identical have somehow always drifted away from each other. It leads to the age-old question of most distributions out there. Why does one Debian system upgrade to the next major version just fine, but another Debian system that's supposed to be identical fail? Colin Walters. After researching in this field for years, and a few failed attempts at solving the problem for himself and Red Hat, knew these problems all too well. He had looked into the way Nix and Chrome OS were doing things, and noted they weren't for him. But in 2012, stumbled upon a set of ideas that fixed the delivery part of the equation. It was called OS Tree, but he needed a workbench, a place to test the delivery methods he'd been cooking up. For that, he'd been tinkering with something called GNOME Continuous, which used Open Embedded to create the base system. Walters described OS Tree as a magic formula. And there's nothing revolutionary in it, really. But it's a combination of things that do work. That combination had a lot to do with trees, obviously. Or in other words, pre-compiled sets of packages that were named and immutable. This meant that not only could you tell what state one machine was in, you could apply that state to an entirely different machine just by knowing its name. And if you upgraded one system one day and another in a week to the same named tree, you'd essentially have the same system. What's even better is that you could upgrade from a server without a GUI to a workstation with a GNOME desktop by downloading a new tree and rebooting into it. If you decided it wasn't for you, you could switch back to the old server tree and get on with things. While all this OS tree work is getting shown at various conferences and shows over the next month, in parallel, Core OS sees its first public release in October of 2013. This distro is a response to the growing need for systems that are streamlined for container workloads, namely Docker, which was released in March of the same year. Something reliable, lightweight, and extremely scalable. That was CoreOS. And it was a hit. Even Red Hat officially got in on the trend with official inclusion of Docker with RHEL 6.5 the following month. This all becomes more and more relevant real soon, I promise. Because, as it turns out, not only was Red Hat including Docker support in its main RHEL product, CoreOS had the whole place buzzing with the lightweight container host idea. Project Atomic was the answer. But it wasn't a distro itself. 
In April 2014, Project Atomic was announced to a ton of interest and questions as a project that would bring together already existing technologies and create standards, guidelines, and best practices. That meant Kickstart, SE Linux, and Cockpit, too. But it wouldn't be a party without OS Tree. This is part of how the project got its name. Atomic, one-piece systems, identical, all pulled together by the RPM-flavored OS tree known as, you guessed it, RPM OS tree. The actual distro building was left to the actual distro projects, like Fedora. And they did. The Atomic host comes in. Also, as soon as the project was announced, instructions to build your own Atomic host on top of Fedora 20 were available. Then, CentOS, the RHEL clone Red Hat partnered with earlier in 2014, began the journey to Atomic Host as well. This newly built project with distros along for the ride was really starting to make some progress. All the testing paid off, and in July, you didn't need to build your own anymore. At least not unless you wanted to. A Fedora Atomic Host installable ISO was available to download and use, built straight from Rawhide. And while Rawhide still held the move fast and break things attitude, the immutability brought on by the project, and more importantly, RPM OS tree, made this much less of a rough ride. In August, alpha builds for CentOS Atomic Host were available now too. And in December, Fedora 21 releases with Atomic Host images. To cap off the trifecta, in March of 2015, Red Hat Enterprise Linux Atomic Host released based on RHEL 7. Fedora 22 Atomic Host released in May, and after two solid releases, the Atomic Project and Atomic Host were full speed ahead. And in July, a feature being worked on for over a year, now called Package Layering, was introduced. It allows a user of the Atomic Host to add normal RPM packages on top of the tree, or a mutable part of the system. For instance, all the stuff in RPM Fusion. Fedora 23 through 28 Atomic Hosts came and went, including bi-weekly releases, with all the benefits of a newer, more updated Fedora, while the Project Atomic group continued to iterate on and integrate things like Cockpit, OS Tree, and Docker. While all this work was ongoing, XDG App, a software deployment and package management system, sprung up. It allowed another avenue for getting software on a system that may or may not be immutable. In 2016, this hard-to-say technology was renamed Flatpak. I told you it'd be relevant, and here it is. The CoreOS Docker platform that Fedora, CentOS, and RHEL Atomic Host were ostensibly competing against this whole time was acquired by Red Hat in January. It would soon become Red Hat CoreOS. This really spelled the death of the Atomic Hosts, but honestly, only the CentOS and RHEL variants. The Fedora flavor would live on as Team Silverblue. The name, settled on in April, had been thoroughly vetted for about two months. Everything from tree names, atoms, and landscapes were considered, and the number one reason it was chosen? The domain name and handles around the web were available. Of course. <laughs> But also, the color scheme aligned with Fedora. The team can be dropped to integrate better name-wise, and, well, Team Silverblue was just plain fun to say. It was almost called Silverleaf, 
but the name was not meant to be. The FAQ notes, Our favorite choice for a project name was Silverleaf, but that sadly did not work out. We just couldn't quite let go of the leaf. You could also say that Silver Blue is a new leaf on Fedora's OS tree. Team Silver Blue was officially introduced to the world on May 4th, 2018, but had been coalescing for a while before this point by Owen Taylor, Matthias Clausen, and Sanja Bonnick. Their mission statement. Team Silverblue aims to present an overarching developer desktop story by combining an image-based OS with good support for container-focused workflows. Sharing similar patterns with the server side will reduce the learning curve for developers, increase their productivity, and grow mindshare for the entire ecosystem. Across the site was a quote. Atomic Workstation is dead. Long live Silverblue. The idea was to take the Atomic host based on Fedora Workstation and turn it into a first-class product. And not just that, its true aspiration was to replace the Fedora Workstation offering as we knew it. No more DNF updates for anybody. It would be RPM OS tree upgrades all the way down. Oh, and no. And flat packs. And layering. And rollbacks. But for now, they had to get the first real silver blue, 29, out the door. And it happened. On October 30th, 2018, Fedora 29 was released with a silver blue variant. Its headlining feature was Fedora Toolbox, a utility that provides containers with which devs can do development. Matthew Miller on Fedora Magazine noted that Silverblue uses the same technologies we're using for CoreOS and IoT to make a consistent container-focused desktop environment. But by the end of the year, Team Silverblue was dead. Sort of. Mostly in the domain area. The Fedora Council made the decision to tighten things up regarding naming and where sites for projects would be hosted. This meant no more teamsilverblue.org or silverblue.fedoraproject.org. Oh, and don't go to the first one. It's squatters, as far as the eye can see. In 2019, like clockwork, and exactly six months after 29, Fedora 30 and the Silverblue variant were released with the newly added ability to layer on the NVIDIA driver for all those folks needing the proprietary stuff. And flat packs were available out of the box. And in November, Silverblue 31, with GNOME 3.34, the upgrade to Cgroups v2, and better integration with Podman. In April of 2020, Silverblue 32 was upgraded to GNOME 3.36, saw the early out of memory manager, and flat packs are beginning to show up installed out of the box. Silverblue 33 in October got GNOME 3.38, the swap to the ButterFS file system, and Nano. The best terminal text editor out there is the new default. In April of 2021, Silverblue 34 survived the huge leap to GNOME 40. The swapping of Pulse Audio for Pipewire and Z-Standard compression enabled for slimmer on-disk systems. With Silverblue 35 in November, we got GNOME 41, mobile power modes like Power Saver and Wire Plumber for easier pipewire management. This is also the release that introduced Fedora Kinoite, the first addition to the lineup. 
It uses KDE Plasma instead of GNOME, but most everything else under the hood is the same, just like in Workstation. In May 2022, Silverblue 36 is released with GNOME 42, added a separate subvolume for VAR, and moved NVIDIA users to Wayland by default, with very mixed results. Later in the year, November, Silverblue 37 is released with GNOME 43. Sysroot is made read-only and lots of small changes. April again, and it's 2023. Silverblue 38 is out with GNOME 44. Quicker shutdown time and another new immutable desktop, er, window manager to use. Sway. It's called Saracia. Other unofficial desktops sprang up too. Sodalite, based on the Pantheon desktop, and Bazite for the Steam Deck. Surely there are others in the works, and they're all just an RPM OS tree rebase away. Enjoy Fedora Silverblue and happy rebasing to everyone. Catch these and other great topics as they unfold on our subreddit or on our news channel on Discord. And let me, but you can also keep up with us on Mastodon or Twix, Twix, Twitter X, X, X Twitter. The bird site? That thing. I call it the bird the site. Bird's the bird site. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, and if you like the inline chattery, uh, you like to to talk to me, Dan, or anybody else in the entire community, we got Telegram, Matrix, and of course, Discord. But if you like live streams, you know, ones where I fail to compile <laughs> Gentoo, we have Twitch too. All right, so this one, we got a little extra time. <laughs> this, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trust, trust me, folks, don't, we don't do? get COVID. Don't do that. No, but, <laughs> we don't have um, extra time. Yeah, we never we got have a, extra time. <laughs> yeah, we, we got, the, the calendar said we had more days than Well, we all right, so there's uh, that. To, <laughs> to run Fedora Silver Blue. I can't say I ran a whole lot of extra Silver Blue in the, uh, let's call it downtime. Didn't feel like extra time. <laughs> no. It was not. <laughs> I don't know how two weeks just feel just straight by. I don't know how that happened, but it did. And yet somehow I felt uh, like I didn't use Silver Blue or uh, actually I was on Soda Light uh, much more than I would normally have in about a month. Um, but yeah, I was on Saracia, so I yeah we we picked why why did none neither of us go with the normal one because we always do those I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that, okay all right all right before we get into how we fared on our I think second immutable yeah. distro yeah, 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 yeah. on the show uh well I want to kind of talk about what even is. Yeah immutability and another word that came up in the history was atomic right so we got uh, i want to spend some time talking about those things because different distributions say immutable but then they mean different things they do uh, atomic okay let's define that one first because that one's easy to define atomic is essentially uh if you're talking about an update Let's say you are getting an atomic update. If the update is incorrectly applied, causes issues, or is interrupted in any way, 
the update is not applied. It's one big blob. You throw it on there. Right. If for some reason it doesn't work, you just keep using what you were using before. I think so. Yeah. So the the atomic bits are like a giant container that have all of the other little bits that are inside of it. So that's that's another way I think of thinking of it. Um Okay. And so when you get the update, you get the whole entire thing. Um not just the little individual bits that are inside of it. Um Right. So that that's another way. Yeah, yeah. And and that that's what makes like um so when you're when you're updating, if we're talking about atomic updates, if if you're interrupted, if you mm -hmm. you know the power is pulled from your computer. Um, because we're talking about a holistic update, right. the whole thing, then, you know, if the whole thing is not successful, then the whole thing doesn't get applied. Right. And you need to start that, all over again. Exactly. And what, I, as annoying as that might be, it is a safety catch and one that mm -hmm. I am absolutely uh, happy for because I'm running on an unsupported system over here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if, if these updates don't apply, I'm not left with a smoking husk. And that, I think, is a really, really good thing. Yeah, in a way, it does some verification before it actually gets rolled in to being the thing mm -hmm. that you're going to use. So that's, that is really good. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now, now we're getting into sketchy territory. We have to define immutable. Right. All right, so I was able to get around on the web, and I know I missed some, but I would like you uh, to let me know, those of you listening, which ones I missed, because it's, it's, a, it's a much broader conversation, mm. and I think there are additional uh, definitions of immutability that, that we're not going to cover here unintentionally, but I, I got some big ones. Well, I, I, before we do that, though, I, I just want to take the word and pick that apart a little bit. I mean, so okay. like a, a, yes. immutability. So immutable means that you can't you you can't change parts of the system, or maybe even the whole system. But like there are mm -hmm. things that that can't be changed by the end user. Essentially, is the is is the concept behind that, right? Exactly, and and to be extremely like look at the root of the word kind of thing. I think about it like when you're watching a TV show, mm -hmm. right? If it is immutable not mutable that means that like you can't even go in and press the mute button on sure. the audio to turn it off like you can't that's that's how little you can change about it yep. but there's so much nuance there there really is and that's why i think i never took an interest in it because every time i saw the word immutable people were using it in a way that i had never seen it used before mm. and i'm like Nobody even knows what they're talking about. Mm. What what uh, if immutable can mean twelve different things? It doesn't mean anything. So ah, I'm gonna ignore it all. And I did. I, I very much did ignore immutability a lot. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> so so, but we couldn't ignore it again. Uh, we we kind of ignored the idea with the endless episode, but we can't really ignore it here because this is. I mean, to be honest, Silver Blue is one of the ones that I saw a lot about the word immutability, and I didn't know what they were talking about. I guess even even though the systems operate in similar fashions, uh, the target audience is is different for both of them in a way, right? So yeah. Endless is targeted more towards education and and that sort of thing, 
Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like silver glue and, and all of those types of things, they're targeted more towards developers and people that are like True. tinkers and whatnot, right? Developers, developers, developers. They're not Microsoft. They're not Microsoft. Yeah, I was going to say, are you old enough to remember that Balmer did that? I don't know. I don't know. All right. So let's start at the top. The one we're actually talking about, Silver Blue, the OS tree or RPM OS tree style immutability. In this case, what it really means is that you've got a core of the system that is immutable. So there are going to be uh, essentially a lot of the base system things that you really shouldn't be messing with in the first place, honestly, but it's not so rigid. This this is why I don't like the word immutable in this case. Yeah, it's not the entire system. It's only parts of the system that are immutable. Yeah. Right. So like Etsy is still open for you to be able to make configuration changes in. So it's so right. Exactly what Dan said. It's not the whole system is not immutable. Parts of the system are immutable. And because of that, it get you you can really get down into the weeds mm-hmm. and change things about the system. And then on top of that, there's this idea of layering, which came yeah. up early on in the history, where you can you you have this immutable part of the system that that cannot be changed, but then you can go and say, you know what, I want the RPM fusion repositories to be added, and I'm gonna install the FFmpeg libs from there. And I'm going to install, I installed BTOP. I was talking about Aristocratus earlier. And I installed BTOP from the Fedora repositories, which is a layer on top of the OS tree, which is immutable, (laughs) right? The little bit of nuance there that's different is you're not changing the running system in in that instance, right? You're changing what you are proposing to be the next running system, not what you're currently running. That's that's how microOS works as well, mm-hmm. right? So you add these packages on there. But the the thing that you have to be careful with about on a SilverBlue system or a microOS system is that when you install this software on there, it is not immediately available. Right. If I did RPM OS tree install BTOP, I could not after it's done, and it takes a little while sometimes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't just go in and just type in BTOP and just hit enter, and then BTOP was going. It didn't work that way. Right. You had to reboot into the new tree to which BTOP was added, and then you get access to BTOP. But here's the beautiful part about it, though, is that when you make all these changes to an OS tree style system, or even a micro OS system, you can come back from that. Yes. So if I install a bunch of packages that borked up my system, I could just reboot into the previous image and it's all there so you've seen the grub screen mm-hmm. with two or three different yep, yep. options there are more options when you're dealing with silver blue yep. and you can you can set it to hold on to more or you can slim it down if you like but you have a few options and you could just go back to the previous one and say oh, that was a bad idea yeah, that didn't work out <laughs> but you're back on a on a running system again and it works just fine so if when i added soda light it blew everything up I could have just chosen the previous silver blue image sure. and it would have been it would have been like I never ran that RPM OS tree install command in the first place. So uh micro OS is very similar in the way um that this works, except they don't use OS tree to build trees and and push those out to you. Micro OS relies on ButterFS snapshots right. to do its rollbacks. 
And that's another big word that you see all the time. And it, 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 it is exactly what it sounds like. If you make changes to the system and you don't like the way that they, that they worked, you don't have to undo all of that. You just choose the previous image and boot into the previous image. And it's like nothing ever happened. So rollback is another term that comes up a lot. Um, but microOS uses ButterFS to do this type of immutability. Yeah, so that's like tracking your micro changes. Yeah, uh, I wonder, is that why they named it that? I don't know, but it works for me. Man, you know what? You know what? They need to hire they market you. That. Yeah, that they should. Dan the marketeer uh, needs to be Dan the Sousa marketeer. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, maybe. So then you have this other style, which is I think what a lot of people think of when they think of immutability. When you get that bird's mm -hmm. eye quick view of immutability, there is the Chrome OS style. Now, Chrome OS closer to 2018 than Chrome OS 2023 because Chrome OS was just straight up a blob. And when you updated, they gave you a whole system. You downloaded the whole thing. It added it to the system. You rebooted and you booted into a whole system. Everything was there for you. There is no picking apart the system. You can't change things. And if it doesn't run in Chrome, well, guess what? It doesn't run. So yeah. you are extremely limited in what you can do to the system. But, you know, for, for an operating system that needs to be able to boot every single time without fail, it is a really good way of doing updates and keeping things up to date and making sure that that people have a reliable system. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, well, uh, this is not shade in any way. It is a great way to deal with it. Well, Chrome OS is not the only one that really has latched onto that either. No. I, uh, Mac OS works very similar to that. Sure does. Absolutely does. And another system that runs a lot like that is Vanilla OS. Mm -hmm. They have what they call the AB root type and that while not exactly the same, is uh, is very much it's the close. way that Chrome OS does things in 2023. So vanilla OS gives you that same style of here's the whole system, upgrade the whole system. And if that doesn't work, go back to the previous one. But if it does work, boot into the new one and just keep moving. The way that they do software is using things like DistroBox, which uh, is Podman underneath, and then you install your software in those containers, but vanilla OS exposes that software so that, you know, if you install Firefox from Arch, the way that we did in the Debian episode, yeah, it just shows up and it works and you launch right. it and you, you don't care. It just works. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Unless you install the one from Fedora, in which case Plex doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> but Chrome OS is now doing a whole lot more of this where you, you have containers and you can run like, you can even run like VMs and things in Chrome can. OS they're, now. They're like LexD. It's LexD, I think, under the yeah. hood there ah, okay. is, is what they're using. And so, you know, you can use any of, you know, those type of containerized applications on yeah. top of LexD. Yeah. So, and I think they spin up uh, Debian, Debian-based uh, things. So, you know, there's a lot of different Deb packages available for sure. And cool. even some, like when you think about it, some Arch packages actually use Deb sources to get 
created when you look at it like an AOR type of Yeah, I was going to say, aren't those the ones that um, even the AOR users make fun of? Yeah, but then like <laughs> AOR, I think, pulls down some of those same things. Yeah. So there oh, you yeah. Go. <laughs> I have no problem with them. Listen, man, if I'm running an it art works, system, right? I don't care how you give me my software as I long as either. I get the software without yep. viruses, obviously. But you know what I mean? Well, yes, please. Like, yeah, as long as I get my software... I don't care if it was a dead prior to this. So, right. So then, so, all right. So you have that full on system. Everything is hard coded kind of, you can't really change much of anything about it. Uh, the underlying system, at least with vanilla OS and Chrome OS. And then you have the last type, Ubuntu core type that is really new in the arena. And I personally am excited about though, not a huge fan of snaps, though. I, I don't particularly. I like them server side, to be honest, man. Like snaps are fantastic server side. Mm -hmm. um, on the desktop, I'm still a little lukewarm on it, but I'm warming up. I'm warming up to it. But it is just a really interesting. It's an interesting way. concept. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. the other immutables. It's it's a different. It is not. Oh, it's why it's so frustrating, man. You, they're all immutables, but they're all different. So right, Ubuntu breaks their immutability up into four parts, and each is immutable in its own way. So you have the gadget part, which is like the bootloader and the partition layout and configurations for your snaps. Then there's the kernel part that obviously is the kernel and the drivers. There's the base part, which people expect to kind of be immutable, which is the minimal Ubuntu and it contains like services and utilities and stuff, the stuff you'd expect in like USR, uh, mm -hmm. that. And then Snap, which is what like the other ones have to use like layering or containers with. Uh, Ubuntu will use Snaps to run their software with. And that's how you get this interchangeable system. And each of those four parts can be removed and replaced individually or all together if you know all together yeah, yeah if, i mean if there's a if there's a security bug in all of them i mean give me all of them that, that'd be great um yeah and so they're delivering these the, the way i understand it the, they're delivering these things um through the snap system but like your kernel is not snap it's not it's not it's not a snap that's running right it's actually depositing you know, a, a blob, we'll call it a blob. It's depositing a blob onto your system via the snap package system. Mm -hmm. it, it, so it's a, it's not a containerized kernel, but it, that's the method they're using to get it onto your system. Right. So all of these things, and, and, you know, I don't even know if we cleared it up at all, but um, I, suffice it to say that, that there's all kinds of immutability and, mm -hmm. If you're interested in immutability, if you're interested in this, in this, you know, there are parts of your system that you can't change for safety's sake, um, then any of the options are a good primer. I think, I think they all kind of work. I think it's something to keep an eye on, uh, for sure. I, yeah. I'm, I'm all in, man. I mean, my phone already works like this, and I don't particularly care about it. Absolutely. So, yeah. you know, why why shouldn't my laptop work like this too? And I have the same kind of idea of reliability. When 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 I shake my laptop, it should wake up and say, "All right, what do you want to do?" And I shouldn't ever have to wonder whether or not my laptop's going to wake up. Like that. Mm -hmm. That is, um, it's a good feeling on the phone. I feel like it'd be a good feeling on the laptop too. Um. But I think each one kind of gives a a certain amount of tinkerability. 
I think right. Micro OS and Silver Blue are the most tinkerable. Yeah, I agree with that. But there's a bit of a trade-off, right? Like, I mean, layering with RPM OS trees a bit more involved than just DNF install whatever. So yeah. And then like RPM uh RPM Fusion has a has like a thing at the bottom of their thing. Uh whenever you're dealing with uh OS tree on like how to install RP uh, RPM Fusion and it and they use the word evil. The okay. way that it works, the way that that rebasing in OS tree so rebasing is like going from Fedora 37 to Fedora 38. Uh the way that it affects RPM Fusion they use the word evil for what you have to do to allow yourself to upgrade RPM Fusion to the next version of Fedora. Uh, when I went in and read the forum, like, post about it, uh, and, and, like, the, com the communications about it, it didn't really seem that dire, but okay, that's not what... It's not a great descriptor. That's not what the wiki said. <laughs> the official yeah, right? RPM Fusion wiki, when it was telling me, it it really drove home. Because it had like yellow caution symbol. And then like right, four right, words yeah, in, yeah. it was like evil. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, whoa. <laughs> All right. Okay. You got my attention. Yeah, sure enough. <laughs> All right. So that, there's there's your immutability primer. Uh, yeah, it, that, um, at least the way we know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I know there's a whole lot of ways to improve that I primer. I think we glossed over some things, but that's okay. I mean, for the for the most part, that's that's really the the concepts that are there. Prior, I was like, yeah, we're gonna come back and we're gonna have a really good explanation about what immutability is. Um, I, I it did not occur to me that there were seven different seven <laughs> yeah. different definitions of immutable. Which part? That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which immutability are we defining? I don't know. So yeah, we yeah we we definitely glossed over some, but there's there's some basics. There's your immutability primer, and then you can take that information and do with it whatever you want. All right, so. Dan, you have been having a good time? Question mark. Yeah, no, I I really have. So, Saracia, it was a very enjoyable system for me. It really did allow me to work efficiently. I, I set this up on my my laptop, so you know, it, it's a smallish screen. It's a fourteen inch laptop, so it's not huge. Ten eighty p. So okay. you know, things can get a little small sometimes, right? And so, therefore. You're mostly working in a full screen anyway. So having the, the sway and having the, you know, the, the window manager mentality there where things are start off in full screen is not a bad, bad approach. And then you've got your multiple, you know, workspaces. So that type of concept is really good. I feel like for a laptop. Yeah. Um, just just oh, the yeah. way I, yeah. Right. Yeah, because I, so, I feel like we abuse our laptops a little bit, right? I mean, you just yeah, close yeah. it, throw it over there, leave it in the backpack. I don't care. But but like you, you find yourself minimizing or you know using some task management thing to just flip between the applications anyway. Um, so having them in different workspaces is kind of nice um, because you you really are focused on the one application, right? Unless, right, right. Unless you do decide to put you know another one in the split. So sometimes you'll have your web browser and your terminal if you're doing things. So um, and then you're just split. But for the most part, it's nice to focus. I I, I guess that's the best way to put it. I I, I like I like 
to focus on the thing that I'm supposed to be doing, not having all of the other distractions go on at the same time. So um, Maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's what I need. Maybe I just need to convince myself to suck it up and use a, a tiling window manager so that I can well, actually get some work done. Well, I'm not going to say that notifications and things like that still don't bleed through, and it's super easy once you learn the, the keyboard sequences to get between one to the other. Yeah. You know, a Windows 1, 2, 3, or whatever, and you're flipping between workspaces rather than alt-tabbing to flip between applications. So it's just a different type of, you know, switching mechanism, I guess. But all of that really relates to Sway and, and i3 and the way window managers work, not necessarily so much how the system works. Although it's, like I say, it's set up very good out of the box. It's got a nice uh, panel at the top um, that you can see, you know, your system bits, but they don't get in the way. Um, and so that, that, you know, it's a good setup, I guess. Um, felt good. The immutable, bit, immutable bits are obviously wonderful and terrible i i'm gonna say all at the same time <laughs> the trade-off there is a trade-off there is a trade-off and um you know flat packs are the encouraged way to get installate you know applications installed on your system with silver blue or any of the variants um i'm good with that that's a i'm fine with that i like flat packs i use them all the time and uh for a lot of things however here's the terrible part it, when you get into the layering, like we talked about. And mm. think about this one for a minute. If you want to change your shell from, say, Bash to ZSH or oh, Fish yeah. or one of those, okay, you can install it with a layer. You can you can put it on there, and then now you want to use it. You have to reboot. Yeah, so oh, that's Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that that's just annoyance, I feel like. It's not a... It's not a deal breaker it's just a little bit annoying and once you get it set up you're good and then it's part of your part of your your os tree layer and it gets updated anytime the system gets updated i, I guess the idea is to just like front load all of the changes that you know need to happen on a system yeah but you don't think about that i mean how often do you think about that when you're, when oh, you're I, just you you don't none right? unless you were into nix or something like that where you had your you know your thing, your definitions all laid out. Yeah, but maybe, but even maybe then, if you yeah, with Nix, like you don't have to reboot or anything. You just you get, but I mean, behind no. the scenes, your whole like everything like reconfigures you got your config and... <laughs> all planned out, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So you don't necessarily think about the thing until you bump into it and you say, "Oh yeah, geez, I need that." Oh yeah, now I got to reboot. Dang. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a little bit of a bummer. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah, I found that a little bit of annoying. One thing they tell you to probably do and and i could have done it this way is to utilize toolbox so if, okay. if you're doing terminal based things you, you set up a toolbox um toolbox is is uh it's not distrobox right so right it toolbox gets you another fedora in instance if you will not not another system so you you're you're not you're not getting Debian or Arch or, you know, one of those or Ubuntu, you know, whatever. You're not you're not getting that. You're getting Fedora. You went way, way deeper than I did with that. So, okay. So 
as long as you plan on using software from within like the Fedora repository, or you're very familiar mm-hmm. with the way that Fedora does things and prefer it that way, um, Toolbox will get you done, right? Right. Oh, yep. Okay, but, but it is the same kind of idea there that it's a container that you can run software in and you can like totally right. blow it up and throw it away when you're done with it yeah. or continue to to use the software within it. Right. And so like if, if I wanted to set that up as my, you know, we'll say terminal environment, you know, CLI environment, I could. I could set up Toolbox to do that. Okay. But I just feel like uh, I got to go through my normal CLI system to get to the actual CLI system? What? Right. That's a uh, true. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, so, so I don't know. I don't know. It's just old school versus, you know, y- y- adopting a new way. It's hoops to jump through for a little bit of protection, I guess, right. to, to keep you from, you know, RMRFing, no preserve rooting your stuff. And that's, um, that's legit. Yeah. You, you, you do a, you go into a container and do all of that and, Oh, oops, okay, I'll just roll another container, no big deal. Right. And well, and the other thing is you can move, you can you can copy your containers, you can move those around a little bit too. So I guess you could get them all set up and then just move them around. Yeah. Um cuz like things like your SSH keys and stuff could could exist in your container and then, you know, that's contained, right? It, yeah. So that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's kind of a good thing. It does make it a little more portable, which is Kind of cool too. Yeah, yeah, th- uh, that is really cool. So, yeah, you get a whole lot pros of and cons to it, right? Yeah, exactly. It, I mean, it's it's just like it's just like privacy and convenience. Mm-hmm. You got to decide where you mm-hmm. want to be on that on that spectrum, and so it's it's the same way. It's it's like um, reliability right. and convenience. Where do you want to be on that spectrum? And but I, I really do think silver blue is a pretty good. It's a pretty good middle ground for both. I, I agree. There is a lot of customization that you can apply, obviously. Um, I, I didn't write this down, but you you obviously, I mean, in the system that I'm, I'm running, right, it's a tiling window manager, and it's very configuration-based. Oh, yeah. Know, like, like you said all that stuff. But that's in home, though, right? You copy those configs into your home. Okay. And... The home is yours, right? The home is yeah. still yours. You can still do all the things to your home directory. Um, and so all of those configurations can get changed on the fly, just like they can anywhere else, because it's not part of the immutable system. Right. And the home com- directory goes- is not immutable. So right. you can do whatever you want to in there. And no matter what happens, that 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 won't accidentally revert or something. In that regard, it is flexible. You can do a lot of things. It, it's not it's not like some of the other systems out there where you can't even change those types of things. So right. um that that's really good. I feel like it's a decent compromise to all of that. Um but um one little rub that I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna bring up here in a minute, mm-hmm. Leo, mm-hmm. is Firefox. And so my workaround for that, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about it. I'm going to let you go. Okay. Um, so my workaround for that, though, was I used the Brave Flatpak, which is okay. It worked pretty well. Well, now, um, okay. Now I'm kind of curious what the fire. Okay, we'll get there, though. But So, uh, so I, I, hmm. I used the Brave Flatpak, and I got around all my pain points with that, and it worked pretty well. Um, and, I, and I was able to do all the things that I normally do do with my laptop really i i didn't find anything that i was lacking overall which yeah. was kind of great 
I mean, I had had all the same software that I do anywhere else, and uh, it felt pretty comfortable with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Fedora with Flatpak. I mean, if if you can get mm-hmm. by with Fedora Workstation and Flatpak, then you can easily get by on Fedora Silverblue mm-hmm. and Flatpak. Might take a couple extra commands, might take a few <laughs> extra reboots, but I mean, yeah. you're going to be in the same spot, and you'll have a little bit of extra reliability on top. You get of some that. safety there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have one final annoyance, and it isn't huge. Uh, there isn't really a clean way to install this alongside something else, even if you've... I mean, there, there's methods, but certainly not through the installation as it exists. Um, can you install, you know, alongside another operating system? It wants, oh. to, consu- it wants to consume your whole, your whole system, not just... Not just really even your disk in a way, um, because it wants to control all of the, all of that stuff. Really? Um, now I didn't have any problems whatsoever because I've got I've got Debian over here. I'm still I'm still running Debian on the main disk. You got yeah. Uh yeah. I see. You got two disks. Oh, I, that's I mean, the on, trick. A, on a single disk, right? It wants to consume the uh-huh. entire disk. Well, and, and, and that's fair. I get why, and I get what it's doing, um, but it's a little bit of a limitation, and obviously. I wanted to keep my Debian install. Of course. So, um, yeah, I just had to get another disk. So, Microsoft Silver Blue is what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like okay. I said, it was a small little annoyance. It wasn't, it, you just had to plan it out. Okay. All right. Well, get a second disk is what he's trying to say, I guess. And it's fine. Like, that's a good, it's a really good approach. It's probably the one you should be using. Okay. Okay, I, I I can I can see that. I had a second disc, so I guess I'm in. I'm, well, especially in a laptop, I'm very much in the minority of people that can yeah, do that kind of laptop, thing, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's this is like a twenty two forty or twenty two thirty or something like that disc in in the SATA right in, right right in M two slot M two SATA yeah yeah yeah. So uh, very much a minority. I was able to get. Uh, Silver Blue on there with no problems. It does dual boot with Debian okay. I can boot into, I don't know what's going to happen if I rip it out or something. I guess that <laughs> might, that'll be a journey. We'll see how yeah, that we'll goes. We'll find out. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I got Silver Blue on there. I don't even think I updated it once. And Dan sent me a message and said, hey, uh, you know, there's another desktop that you can have. And he, put a link to it and I look at it and sure enough it's Pantheon it was the Pantheon desktop and I talk all the time about elementary OS and so I mean you know I had to choose it so immediately mm-hmm. I didn't know I didn't even do updates I didn't know RPM OS tree update no Pfft, no RPM installs soda light is what happened and immediately I don't even think silver blue had been on the system for less than 10 minutes before I was just like, let's change it. So, so I I know what GNOME feels like, man. Yeah, so, it's the same. <laughs> yep, I went ahead and changed it. It didn't take that long, actually. It was faster than I had expected. That's um, cool. Because you know it pulls down the whole tree, right? There's the whole system. Yeah, the whole tree. Yeah, that has Pantheon already already integrated in it. All you got to do is just pull that tree down, plop the tree on the disk make the connections, reboot into the new tree, bam, Pantheon immediately greeted me. I didn't have any issues either. And that's, this is why I think this whole OS tree immutability, whatever thing is real cool. 
Because if I would have done that on regular Fedora, you oh know something would have been broken. Yeah, you'd have pulled in some package that would have yep. made your font funny or something along exactly. those lines, right? And or you know, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to log in. It would have just like you know shake shake at you and right back to the login prompt. A hundred percent. Something would have worked wrong. I'm yeah. sure. It's because there's like some kind of difference between the gnome keychain and the Pantheon keychain or something. Knows, and then I would have just yeah. been having endless problems. But no. Potentially anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all yeah. those things. But absolutely just it was like I installed Fedora Sodalite from the beginning. That's kind of cool. With a user already created. So but yeah, I, it, it was it was absolutely amazing. So I, I logged into it and ooh wee, it was Pantheon, and I love ooh. me some Pantheon. So got working with it. Um, I mean, it, it it obviously had all the the normal Fedora stuff underneath. Had regular Firefox installed by default, and this is what Dan was talking about. It's regular Fedora Firefox, and regular Fedora Firefox doesn't have. Uh, any kind of codex. None. Um, uh, so Plex didn't work. That was awesome, and it also doesn't have a graphical acceleration <laughs> because why yeah. would it have that? Um, so the one of the very first things that I had to do, which is one of the very first things I have to do on Fedora Workstation, to be clear, this is this is a Fedora thing and not a Fedora Silverblue slash Sodalite thing is install RPM Fusion. You still have to... Okay, all right. But before I did that, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do the silver blue thing. I'm going to try to use it right. the way I should. And what I did was I tried to install not regular Firefox because the Firefox they give you is the Fedora repository RPM version of Firefox right. that's integrated into the OS tree, which means that part is kind of immutable. So... Grr, I didn't like that. I did not want that because what I didn't want to do was have to go in and add install FFmpeg libs so that I could have H264 in the browser. I didn't want to do that. So the nice, easy, regular, super duper easy workaround is install Firefox from Flathub. But wouldn't you know it, there are three Firefoxes. There, is there are the... three Firefoxes in Flathub? Yeah. No, not in Flathub. In Fedora. In Fedora. Ooh. So hold on. Bear with me. There's the... I'm listening. There's the Firefox that's given to you through OS tree that is immutable. Right. Then there is the Firefox that is available to you in the Fedora uh -oh. repository that is a copy of the RPM one available to you through the OS tree and it is immutable. That's not the one you want. You no, because that's the same problems. Exactly. You want the third Firefox that is available to you through FlatHub, and God forbid you go into the GNOME software thingy of App Store. I was on Sodalite, so the App Store thing. Whatever that is, yeah. Because it, it looks better, but it shows you the Fedora ones, mm. and it's it's the first one. Obviously, that's the one you want because it's the first one, and it is not the one you want because neither of those have the codex. So you have to choose the second yeah. Firefox, which is from FlatHub, and get that one, and it does indeed work. So that's cool, but man. That's painful. Yeah. Nah. I, I do not blame you 
for going brave because it was the easy workaround. It really yep, was. It beat all of that. All of yep. that pain and having to There's figure only out one. I didn't have. Yeah, I mean, it exactly. doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's there only. Yep. There, yeah, it was just it. Yep. Wow, man. And it worked great. Like, so I was, you know, back to, to I was able to watch my my TV thingies um, in all the places. Yeah. It had all the all the codecs. And I probably needed. hardware accelerated, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was because, you know, it's Chromium based and yeah. it has hardware acceleration built into yeah, it. Yeah, the so. flat hub thing just has the hardware bits in it. Like it the drivers in it are there mm -hmm. and it's ready to go and it's great. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I think the Firefox one works too. But I, I, I wanted to have, I, I, I didn't want to leave that open ended. I didn't want to accidentally click on the wrong Firefox. Well, yeah, that gives you two of them then yeah, at that point. Uh, yeah. And I didn't get rid of the other one because that requires. Like weird RPMOS tree shenanigans, right? 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 To right. get rid you have of to something, remove it from the 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 tree. And I'm not yeah. trying to do that, man. So mm, it might be the solution, but yeah, I get you. Yeah, well, that way you'd only have one, but you'd still have to go through the pain of getting rid of the first one and then adding the second one, and then. But I also do have video files that are H.264. Hello, sure. we're recording them right now that yeah, yeah, I absolutely. need to be able to look at sometimes, you know, check before I import. Um, and so <laughs> I yeah. did need native H.264. And for that, I still require RPM Fusion. And so you have to layer on RPM Fusion into the system so that you can install FFmpeg so that it can bring in the libraries that you need to be able to look at the mm -hmm. proprietary H.264 and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and that goes for anything else that's in RPM Fusion as well. Oh, you yeah. still have to yeah, go yeah. through that process, layer that on. Um, and, you know, I, the way that I'm talking about it, it seems like it's so insurmountable, but it's 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 not. It really is not. <laughs> but it I call annoying. it annoyance because, yeah, it's annoying. It's It's not broken. It's not... So it's not a deal breaker, just adds a little bit of an annoyance, and you can get past it. I, I think you got to do think, a little extra hoop jumping. I think it's annoying only because it's just not what I'm used to. I, I yeah, think, it's it's not as easy as it could be. Yeah, and then you have to reboot. <laughs> Which, but yeah, it's the reboot bits. Yeah. That, that they're really kind of yeah because it, it adds a, a very bit. staccato. There's a period after it. Like you install something, period. Well, that means everything that you were doing. Yeah. You're not anymore, right? Yep, 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 yep. Oh, I need to install BTOP. Yeah, well, now you're rebooting. So Yeah. So you do plan those things out, and I get, like, there's probably, yeah. I mean, it's my laptop. I reboot it all the time. If I, if I go to put it in my bag, I usually turn it off just to make sure it's not melting inside of there. Yeah, so, my, the, the ThinkPad does really good on suspend they, time. Like, it, it'll, oh, it'll it, last a good four or five days. That one does, too, but I... I just over paranoid. It doesn't take that much extra time to reboot it. So yeah. I just turn it off. And, yeah. and that's and, fine. And you're right. So then I'm rebooting. It, it is great. Yeah. The 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 thing that gets me is that the the framework will last like a day. Mm -hmm. the, oh, so to be specific, there are like four different frameworks you can buy. The eleventh gen Intel framework oh, yeah. will drain pretty quickly uh when you put it to sleep. So like a hibernation or a shutdown is the best way to deal with that. Cause it'll last right. dude, it'll last weeks. If you shut it down, the battery will last weeks. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Absolutely. And, and, and it doesn't matter what the OS is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you right. do hi, hybrid sleep. What, no. Unless you are hibernating and like turning the whole thing off. Like, right. yeah. It, it'll be dead. So you got to be careful with that. Yeah. So mine um, lasts pretty well. But like, I, I'm turning it off probably once a day anyway. So yeah. whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but, and I'm not, I'm not too worried about that kind of thing. And generally, though, I feel like the experience was pretty good. It's, it's, it was really good. The layering stuff is really where that annoyance crops up and you have to reboot and do all that stuff. But if you're yeah. not doing a lot of layering, if you're just yeah. slapping on the Discord flat pack, then you're good. You're good to go, man. Yep. If, if you're, if you're doing things the silver blue way, then you're not really having those kinds of annoyances. You're right. not dealing with that kind of issue. And, you know, the trade off for that amount of reliability, I think. Yeah. Is a pretty good trade-off, man. I, I think it, I would make I, that trade any day. I, I don't disagree. I, it is it is pretty good trade-off. Uh, I guess the thing I just have to adjust my schedule. My my schedule when I go to sit down <laughs> at the machine because when I first sit down at it, that's going to be my time when I want to probably install one of those things that I want to layer. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm sitting down to do something, and I'm like, I need that oh, yeah. thing. Install so Emacs. I'm going, I'm going to do that now. Oh, wait a minute. That means I got to reboot. Um, <laughs> and if, but if you, if you had that, like tomorrow, I'm going to need that thing. And so you do that at the end of your day or whatever. That's not so bad. I mean, because you install it, shut it off tomorrow when you turn it on. Yeah. There it is. Oh, and yeah. You're okay. You, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It, it's just, it's, it's, it's a re, you know, thinking of the way your, yeah. your schedule needs to work um because the other thing is usually when i get to work like one of the first things i do is run updates uh oh. you know in the morning right so that like that's all out of the way i'm all done with that and then sometimes you have to reboot but even even um for the most part you don't right it's yeah. just you're going to use your new software that you have installed um but if you're doing an RPM OS tree update, you need to reboot because it's going to put new kernel on there and all of that other stuff. And it just, it needs it. Like you need to get back into the new system, not, not the system you're currently in. Or right. What's the point? Um, it's just the timing. It's just timing out when to do those things and it, it'll work out great for you. But you have to think about it a little bit. Yeah. And I, I guess that's that's really what it is, right? There, that that is that is a bit of the trade off. You do have to think about it a little more. But I don't know, man. Uh, I liked it. It was good. I'm I'm I I think I think what I'm trying to do is convince myself that I want to run on vanilla. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe even it's one of the ones we talked about. Maybe even blend. I have to decide what the the base that also system we I talked want about mm -hmm. is. But I guess it doesn't really matter what the base is because not only are the systems immutable, so the base doesn't really matter. As long as you've got a you know good working kernel and all your hardware works, um, it's it's the the container stuff. It's the how yeah. you get which your software. Which container system you wanna you wanna adopt? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I, I feel like I should just do vanilla OS because it's Debian based, and then just get all my software from Arch. Like that would just be hilarious. So vanilla OS might be what I do just for the lols. <laughs> yeah, well, and it, it is not too dissimilar of what we did when we did it, run Debian. Debbie, yeah, right? it, uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's the string that's pulling on my brain that's saying this is how you should do it. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, because I I don't know, like having Arch as the the base, um, while cool. Um, do you really need that? I guess. Yeah. Well, the thing that keeps me away from Arch is really that that you know the grub thing is still kind of stuck in my mind. I know that was a while ago or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. big things can happen. But the fact that mm-hmm. it's immutable and then you can roll back is it kind of negates all that. Yeah, it negates that. But you, even if it, even if uh, um, you have the option to roll back, um, just having to roll back is a bit of a, a annoyance, I guess. Well, if, if it's like Silver Blue. It's it's only a slight annoyance and that you have to reboot again and then yeah. think a little bit about, oh, yeah, I got to press down once and then enter. Right. But, right, right. but you, you are right. You are right. There There is thought there. And if you're not thinking about it and if you don't know how to roll back or what the the entries in Grub mean, yeah. then- well, I mean, It takes yeah, extra time. Yeah. It, yeah. But I, I just I think I just like the security of that. I, I think- mm-hmm. uh, That's true. Tumbleweed- Kind of like in a way, if you're going to run one of those un- unstable things, then that's, that's the probably way to do the it. way to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. For real. Um, I-, I think I'm. I-, I would cozy up much closer to Arch if mm-hmm. I had that. That's ability. interesting. Yeah. Well, sure. and essentially, that's what I'm doing on the Steam Deck, right? Yep. Because yeah. that is Arch, and that's how that works. Nice exactly. and pretty. You can catch all the links at LinuxUserspace.show. We'll have all the links to the show notes and everything, all the shows, they'll be all there. And if you want to contact us, you can email contact at linuxuserspace.show. So next time we'll be talking about topics. I don't know what topics, but if you want to see all the news that's coming down the pipeline, uh, go check out Lemmy, check out uh, Reddit or join the Discord. You can see what's going to happen there. Uh, and then we'll just have all the news. And mm-hmm. I feel like if there's a lot of discussion about a particular news topic, that just is uh, it's a yeah, good that, way to that's figure gonna, out. Yeah, show up in the show. Yep, 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 yep. So uh, leave some comments. Add, add your own news stories. That's one of the coolest things about that is that on Reddit mm-hmm. and Lemmy, you can add your own news stories. Um, but then we also got to pick a distro. No, we're not doing that. We're not doing that anymore. Well, maybe someday, but we're not doing it this time. Yeah, we're 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 taking a break from the distros. Uh, We've done done a lot of distros. We have done a lot of distros. We've done a lot of independent distros, too. Yeah. You know, base systems for other things. And we we have more. There will be more distros. We do. do. We're not killing the distro. We're not. We're not. A little bit of a break from the distro. I think more than hi- distro history. I think I just like history. I just, I like mm-hmm. I like falling down the Wikipedia rabbit hole of things and then yeah, archive.org. Yeah, and then yeah, you have like 85 place. tabs open and you're like what happened? So yeah. yeah. Um so just like we did a while ago with Nano and VI and Emacs mm-hmm. and uh ED, we're going to do C D E, mm-hmm. the common desktop environment. Surprise! It's not dead. There was a release in October of last year. Yeah, C D E from 1993. That one. Yeah, think if if you don't know what C D E looks like, but you know what three point Windows 3.11 looked like, uh, think that. That's that's yeah yeah yeah. Yup, that's where we're going. So. Come join us. 
there's probably going to be a live stream about installing CDE because, ooh, we, this, this, this is going to be a journey, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I hope I, I hope I can find the history threads on this, but you know, Dan already figured out like where, we, where we've it got a little bit. We've, we've dug up a, a just a little bit. Um, yeah. I will have enough for a show. I have no doubt about that one. <laughs> Yeah, as as I'm looking at my watch now, I was like, okay, we gotta wrap this up. So, so um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm excited for it, really, and, and we're gonna see what works in old CDE. I had a question on yeah. modern systems. We're we're going to see what applications will still work. You think Discord's gonna run in CDE? I'm gonna try. I don't know. We'll figure it out. So stay tuned. Tell us all the things. Comment on Reddit and Lemmy. Make sure you're uh, following us on Twitter and Mastodon. If you like the back and forth chatter, Telegram, Matrix, Discord. I mean, honestly, you go Google us. We're probably on all the places. However you do it, join the conversation. All the links are in the show notes and on linuxuserspace.show. So, Dan. Outside of here, where can we find you? You can find me at KC2BEZ at Mastodon.social or at KC2BEZ on the bird site. And you can find me. I'm considering moving to DefCon.social because that's a bunch of cool kids over there. Uh, I bet. But for now, you can find me at Leo Chavez at Mastodon.social and, of course, on the blue site at Leo Chavez. Come back in uh, two whole weeks for more Linux user space. Bye. See ya. Do you know much about the... Stop at Ubuntu. Speaking of telemetry, go to an Ubuntu website. Hmm. Uh, uh, the Ubuntu Core one. That's the one that I didn't really. I don't. Look into. It's fairly new-ish, if you will. They haven't really released um, the desktop versions of that. That's really right. Still in the concept phases of things. Um, I think they they have like a proof of concept that they've been testing, um, and there is a link to it. I can. Maybe I, I have the dig- link. It's in there. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, um, still very. How Ubuntu Core combines immutability with compostability. Mm-hmm. Co- com- oh, composable. <laughs> yeah, composable. Well, you might throw it away. <laughs> throw your container in the backyard. There, it'll turn into a Compost. nice rich soil mm-hmm. one day. <laughs> it might be what you do with uh, it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>